All right. Well, thanks for everybody who's on Zoom. We got a pretty good crew. Got a pretty good crew here in the classroom today. Uh, we're going to be picking up on Proverbs chapter two. And if you guys, if you guys got my email, you saw that we're going to cover the entire chapter today. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, I hardly ever cover an entire chapter of any book in one lesson, and so it's a special treat today. Uh, but also, if you don't know the reference to the email I'm talking about, that means you're not getting our emails. So if you're not getting our emails. Let me know. Uh, I'll get your email address after class, and we'll make sure we get you on the list. Uh, you don't want to miss the weekly emails from me. I mean, it's got to be the highlight of everybody's weekend here, I'm sure. So, so we're going to go through all of chapter 2, and then next week we're going to have a special lesson uh, as we get into chapter 3. Uh, but what I want to do today is I wanna, I'm going to break down this text into a few different uh, portions. And the first portion I want to I spend probably the most time on and so if you look at your handouts, you're going to see this kind of graph that I've drawn, or a little chart I've drawn, where you see this upward climb up to the word then, and then kind of a downhill slope. And I want to talk about the very first portion of that upward climb, which is chapters or verses 1 through 4. So let me read this first, and then we're going to get into it. And I hope we can have a little more discussion today than we, we, we normally do in our lessons. So verse 1 says this, My son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. You see there in verse 1 through 4, just call it out, whether you're on Zoom or here in the class, what do you notice in verse 1 through 4? What sticks out to you? There's a bunch of ifs. There's a bunch of ifs in there, right? And and there's definitely it's an if you type thing, right? So so if you do something. So so for me the the biggest thing that I took away from that is I went through my Bible and I started circling all the action words I saw that pertain to things I was supposed to be doing. So if you do this, right? If you receive and treasure, make your ears, incline your heart, call out for insight, raise your voice, seek it like silver, search for it like hidden treasure, right? The action is on who in verse 1 through 4? Who, who, who's the, the action on? The action's on us, right? It's absolutely on us. It's an important part of our theology that we need to understand there's a part we play in this entire mix. Uh, and and what other Orthodox Christian theology you're going to you follow, whether it be Arminianism or Calvinism, you know, whatever it is you may follow, whatever Orthodox Christian theology, there's always a part for us to play in our faith. Faith is not some passive thing. There is, it's an action-oriented faith. Verses 1 through 4 show us that there are things we're called to do. And, and I think it's very important that as we talk about this entire chapter— that this starts out with so much action orientation about what we are supposed to do. James, I'm reading James right now, the book of James, to my kids at night. And last night, the reading of James said this. It was James 1.22, and it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? How easy is it for us to trick ourselves into thinking we've heard something, and we're actually applying it, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? This proverb is showing us that there are things you need to do. You need to seek 
wisdom. You need to seek understanding, seek this knowledge. Very, very, very much action-oriented. So my question, my question, maybe we can talk about it at your tables, and for those of you on Zoom, feel free to talk about it within the Zoom community we have going on here. My question is, how do we, as men, men aspiring towards wisdom, how do we in our daily lives today actually do this work, right? How do we actually receive his words, treasure his commandments, make our ears attentive, incline our hearts? All those little action words I circled, how do we actually do that in a practical basis in our daily lives? Talk about that for just a couple minutes and we'll come back. Well, I, heard, I heard a lot. Is there, I hear people kind of wrapping up in here and Bob just finished on here. I, there's a lot of good answers here on Zoom and, and I hear some good discussion on, on throughout the tables. And I want to make sure we don't, we don't allow, um, we don't allow, and feel free to mute your all's lines on Zoom in case it echoes, but I want to make sure we don't allow our study of the word to be theory only, right? It cannot be theory only. It's got to be practice. Um, whoever's got the bird chirping in the background on that, we all heard. Uh, yeah, that was a blue jay. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll count, I'll count on my moderator over here to mute all lines now. So it, it's interesting. Here's, here's, some way, here's another way I'd probably try to explain the first four verses, and you'll see how it flows into the passage. Just a weird deal. Over the last few nights, I've been waking up a lot in the middle of the night. And I don't know if it's because God's waking me up. Most likely not. It's most likely more related to the fact that my, my dog is now sleeping in our bed and the dog keeps getting bigger. And as the dog gets bigger, it gets closer and closer to my wife, who then gets closer to me, and I don't like sleeping with people touching me. Um, so I've been... I've, it's getting old, that too. You know, it is funny. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've realized I have to get up and use the bathroom more in the middle of the night than I used to in my 20s. Yeah, welcome to the club. So... Any, yeah, wait about 30 years. So I'm still only a once-a-nighter. I'm not a twice-a-nighter. So anyway, this, this lesson's going to quickly digress. Uh, what's the weird thing is every time I wake up, every time I wake up, and it, it, I hear a song in my head. And the song is this. I don't know if you guys know that old song, Lord, I Need Thee. Oh, I Need Thee. Every hour I need thee. And you know that the next part of the song says this. My one defense, your righteousness, O Lord, how I need thee. Every, every time, I mean, I'm telling you, it will not get out of my head, but I keep hearing it over and over again. Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Right? Every hour I need thee. Then what's maybe more interesting is when I wake up in the morning, I have another song in my head. And it was a song we sang on Sunday in the sanctuary, if you happen to be in the sanctuary, but come thou fount. And if you know part of, the, part of the song, To Come Thou Fount, says this. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, right? And, and so it's interesting that in the middle of the night, when I'm by myself alone with God, I'm, I'm hearing, I need you, I need you, I need you. And as I wake up getting ready to start my day, I'm reminded of how quickly I wander away from him, right? As, as men of wisdom, we are not called to be men who wander away from God, even with the practical applications of life. We're called to be men who say, Lord, I need thee. Not once, but how often? How often does the song tell us, I need thee? 
every hour I need thee, right? I think it can be tempting, if you look at my little diagram, the little visual, to think that I seek God once, I ask him for wisdom, and then he provides it. We're going to get into all that God provides here in just a second. But what it really is, is a cycle, right? It's a cycle. Every hour I need thee, I seek God. What the freedom of, if, when we get into this passage, what we're going to find is that our only thing we really need to be concentrating on, the only thing, if we want to be men of wisdom, men of God, that we need to be concentrating on is our utter dependence upon God, right? We must seek him. We must fall in love with the word, fall in love with God's instruction, just like those first four, four verses really tell us to. If you notice how many times the concept of treasure is identified in those first four verses, we're seeking after something just like it's buried treasure, right? Whatever your greatest love is, you are seeking after it. You're falling in love with God's word. I was talking to Charles, Mr. Barry Hill over here, and uh, right before class, and he talked about how at one point in time somebody gave him guidance that a few times throughout the year you ought to take a month and read one chapter of Proverbs every day and just digest it, right? Digest it. One chapter a day. And that is a great exercise to do. But what I liked about what he said is he goes, I wish so bad that somebody had told me that whenever I was younger, which tells me he's in love with the Word of God. He's in love in the, with the instruction that God's given him because he's seen what it does in his life, right? And, and I know so many of you guys feel that way. You're in love with the instruction you get from the Word of God. But that is what we have to focus on. Before we do anything else, we must be in love with seeking God. As, we get, as you get into that diagram, you're going to find that God provides provision, uh, a, a change in life. He provides us some defenses and life itself as we get through the proverb. Uh, but what we normally do as men is we'll wake up in the morning and not try to seek God, but we'll actually try to go our own way, following our own wisdom for these other aspects. If we get anything out of today, it's this. The primary principle is that we seek God, right? We need God, and then we let him provide for what comes later. If you see verse 5, if I transition to verse 5, the apex of that hill, we see the word then. So always pay attention to then. But we see, if we seek God, then he will do these things. The first thing he does in in verses 5 through 8 on your handouts, you'll see I, I call it provision. Let me just read you this text. It says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. What we see here is that God is providing a gift to those who seek him. He's making sure, we're saying here, it is from God that knowledge comes. It's from God that understanding comes. It's from him that sound wisdom comes, right? God is the one who is providing that to us. Uh, it reminded me there in Matthew in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the whole, the famous passage of ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you, right? And, and, and that passage is not meant ask your God for all the worldly treasures in the world and it will be provided. It's, it's really talking about the things of God. Ask for wisdom. Ask for knowledge and it will be provided to you. But you have to get back to those first four verses first. Seek it with all that you have. So we see that God is the one who's providing. And then if you go back to the the next 
portion of that little slide there is what I call change or internal change. Let me read verses 9 through 11. It says, once God has this thing to provide, verse 9 goes this, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. What you see there in that text is that God provides these things, but he has a mechanism for how he provides it. He doesn't provide it through external forces, but he works internally, right? He works from the inside out. So if you look at that, it says this. It says, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And I want to prove that this is true. I want to actually prove it's true. Every man in here, in some capacity, has some sort of love for the Word of God, right? You have to. You have to to be crazy enough to come here and do this right now. Just, just to step back for a second, I want you to think about what you're doing in this class. You are so in love with the Word of God that you willingly come in the midst of a pandemic or whatever's going on, you willingly log in and watch online to a 35-year-old guy with a tattoo <laughs> teach you about the Word of God, right? I mean, for some reason, you are crazy enough to do that. That only comes from an internal desire for knowledge of the Word of God, right? It's not normal that you would take the time out of your workday, the time out of whatever else you have going on, to come and want to learn the things that we learn together in this class. And I'll say, it is not normal for a 35-year-old guy with a tattoo, uh, with no seminary training whatsoever, to desire to teach it as much as I desire to teach it, right? I love teaching the Word of God because God has, for some, for some reason, He's helped me understand these things, and, and, and all I want to do is come and teach. I, I, I cannot tell you what a pleasure it is for me to get to spend this time with you gentlemen every single week, right? Well, hey, uh, we, well, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's the only tattoo, though. That's the only one, and it happened before I knew God properly. So just, yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So all I want to say, though, is I want you to see that this proverb is true, right? It, when you seek it, God has the power to provide it. Then he will work within you to change you in, in, internally. You will understand righteousness and justice. You will have discernment. You will know the good paths from the bad paths, Right? Wisdom will come into your heart and will guide you. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, right? Knowledge, actual true knowledge, knowledge that comes only from God, we learned that in Proverbs 1, will be pleasant to you, right? And think about how many things were pleasant to you in, in, in a time when you were not close to God. It's interesting, and you'll see this as we get into the proverb a little bit further, things change. What was pleasant to you at one point in time changes to what is pleasant to you today. And as you continue to seek God cyclically, hourly, Lord, I need thee hourly, he continues to work internally that way. All right, so the next part you see is as he starts to, as he starts to change you internally, the next part of the proverb is what I call defense. And so I want to read, I want to read verses 12 through 19, and I'm going to stop in the middle because there are two major things that God's saying, I'm going to give you a defense against in this Christian life, right? In this life as you walk with me. The first one he talks about is defense against wicked men. So verse 12 starts with this. 
once, you know, you see there in verse 11, once you're being watched over and your understanding will guard you, it says in verse 12, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You guys are probably like me, and you can all remember that one friend in your life who always seemed to be in trouble. Uh, And if you don't have that friend, it means you were that person uh, at some point in time. You may still be that person. Uh, But I know I had that one friend who was always in trouble, always in trouble. And shockingly, every time we hung out, I was in trouble, right? (laughs) And the, the, it culminated in an experience where me and a highway patrolman had a really good conversation about why it wasn't a good idea to go 135 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. So I'm just saying we all have those friends that it just, as we follow, as we go their ways, we, we go their ways, and, and it has bad consequences. And so God is telling us here that as you go throughout this process, right, as I change you internally, I'm going to protect you from the ways of the unrighteous. And now, do you think that means God's going to put some sort of force field around you that's not going to allow anyone to tempt you? Now, the answer is no. Yeah, the answer is no to that. Uh, do you think that, that somehow you're going to be guarded completely from the impacts of the world? You know, absolutely not, right? I think what we have to understand about this is as we are changed internally and as knowledge becomes sweet to our soul, as God's ways become precious to us, we find that our desires change in such a way that I no longer really want to hang out with that guy who's always getting into trouble, right? Uh, I'm going to have enough discernment and wisdom to not just resist the temptation when it's right in front of me, but I'll be wise enough to say, I probably shouldn't even go there today, right? I probably shouldn't even go to that party today. I probably shouldn't even go to to whatever it was I was doing before. It's not way. And actually, I don't even want to do it, right? For any of you guys who have battled alcoholism, right, or a drug addiction, you think about how much you desired that substance at some point in time. The, The desire probably consumed you that as you were transformed internally through a horrible process, such an excruciating process, how your desires change. It doesn't completely go away. It's always there. But as day by day by day goes on, your desire is not for that anymore. You, you are, it is dead to you. You are alive in something else, right? So, so God changes us internally, which changes our desires, which is in itself a defense. We, don't, we want to make sure we are not following the ways of the unrighteous. The second defense it talks about starts in verse 16, something that I'm sure none of us have had to deal with. It's, 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 I'm being sarcastic, by the way. So, 16 says this. So you will be delivered from the forbidden women, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Which words do you think they're talking about that, by the way? Any, anyone want to give us examples of smooth words you've heard from a woman? No, I, I no volunteers for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> 17 says, who forsakes the companions of her youth, which really is talking about her husband, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to the death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. That's some pretty harsh language, right? Some pretty harsh language. If you remember in the Old Testament, all the stories we've talked about in the Old Testament, what normally happens when men of God follow 
follow women who who are who, who they commit adultery with or who they practice sexual immorality with what normally follows that yeah, yeah, we see the extreme examples with David, some pretty significant consequences. Death enters the picture in the story of David and Bathsheba. What else do we see? Yeah, so that's, that's the, the prophet, the story of the prophet, and, and that's meant to be a symbol of, of God and his people and how we are so adulterous against our God. We continue to rebel against God, and he continues to go after us and chase us back. Um, Hosea, Hosea, Hosea. Um, Mr. Berryhill. Yeah, and so for you guys on the phone, Charles said that, that, you know, sin will take me longer, further I want to go, longer, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, and he's exactly right. I mean, the cost of sin is death, right, at the end of the day, right? The cost of sin is death. Following the ways of sin will always lead us to death. Anytime in the Old, Old Testament as well, you will find that as women became a temptation to the men of Israel, they normally not... They didn't just commit the sin with the woman, but they turned their backs on God. They turned their backs on God. Uh, God was so specific about not allowing, you know, uh, foreign women to be married at the time, that be, and not because anything against foreigners or immigrants or anything like that. It was didn't want people who were worshiping other gods to marry men of Israel so they wouldn't be led astray. We see it happen to the most wise of them all in Solomon, right, towards the end of his life. So... So as, as, as one thing about this is, this can be a practical defense against adultery, against, against that sin, but it's also a bit symbolic in you've got to make sure we are not being led astray to, to not following God to begin with. And so again, though, I, I, think, I think when you read Proverbs, and we're going to get into this in other Proverbs, so I don't want to hit sexual immorality too much here, but there's a lot. Proverbs is very concerned with this topic. And as men in our culture today, we, under, we can understand why Proverbs would be so concerned with this topic. But it's not some, again, it's not some magic shield to say, you know, if, if, I, am, if, I, am, if I have a huge temptation for sexual sin, that that temptation is just going to go away. It means as a man of wisdom, I'm not going to go to the place where I'm going to be tempted. When my wife is out of town, it's probably not a good idea for me to go to the local singles bar and have five drinks, right? I mean, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. I I tell you, I had to really think about this. When I was in Australia by myself for a year, my wife was back here, I had to be very careful that I didn't even put myself in the position to where I'd even think about something, right? And, And so... There, there's a number of times that, that men, we fail in this, and God redeems every situation. But I think the language in this proverb is really harsh for a reason. I want you, I mean, let's look at that. For her house, in verse 18, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Right? There is a huge consequence. Right? And for any of you guys who have walked down this road, you understand it. There's a huge consequence uh, to adultery, both in terms of actually the marriage relationship and then the greater symbol that marriage represents between our relationship with God. But again, God's changing us internally. He's providing the knowledge, the wisdom. He changes from inside out and gives us the understanding to even avoid the temptation altogether. Uh, if you guys listen to that podcast I sent out where Cole and Terry are talking about Proverbs, uh, Cole made, made a reference to sexual immorality as he's going through Proverbs, and he said in the margin of his Bible, what he had written whenever he was in college was this. It said, don't go there, 
right? So it's not resist the temptation. It's don't go to where the temptation is going to be, right? And that's very good practical understanding for all of us. So then those are the defenses talked about here, and both of these defenses are going to be covered in greater Proverbs as we go down the road. But then the, the cycle ends in something I call life. And so let me read verses 20 through 22 to you. It says, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity, integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. I think this passage is really telling us that escaping immorality, escaping immorality is not enough for men of wisdom. Instead, we must pursue God, and through it, through our pursuit of God, he gives us life, right? He gives us life. There's a, there's a reason that this is such a contrast to verses 18 and 19. The ways of adultery, the way of sin lead to death, but the ways of God keeps us in the path of the, upri- of the righteous upright, and we will inhabit the land. If you think about Old Testament terminology, inhabiting the land, inhabiting the promised land, is this, this great visual of living in God's presence, of living in God's favor, right? Now, we're not inhabiting a specific geographic promised land, but we are living in Christ. He gives us life, right? What I want us to make sure we get out of this today, out of this lesson, is if you look back at that, that visual, I can find my visual. If you look back at that visual, life, defense against temptation, internal change, God's provision, those things do not happen until you get through verses 1 through 4. They do not happen until you get through verses 1 through 4. Every morning, I would love it if for the rest of my life, I woke up with that song in my head that said, Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. How in love are we with the word of God? And you can test yourselves on this, right? You can test yourselves on this. Am I in the word daily or am I not, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying this to convict you, right, in any way, but test yourself on this. Am I in the word daily? Am I praying daily? What do my prayers sound like? Am I looking forward to that time that I'm with God, right? Am, am I looking forward to what God's going to reveal to me in his scripture that day? Or am I doing what we tend to do as American men, and I'm skipping right to being my own defense and making my own life, right? Am I reading the self-help book on how to resist sexual temptation? Or am I saying, God, I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to trust that you're as powerful as you claim to be. I'm going to trust that you have the power to provide knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. I'm going to trust that you have the power to change me from the inside out. I'm going to trust that you have the power to give me wisdom, to keep me away from the temptation, to resist it whenever I'm facing it, and that you have the power to allow me to live a life that is pleasing and joyful and peaceful without me trying to go and doing it on my own. That's not what we teach in our culture, though. We had this idea of, you know, let's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this term, um, pull it by your bootstraps, right? I'm going to pull it by my bootstraps. It's American work ethic. I mean, I'm going to do it all on my own. What God is saying is you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't resist that temptation without God. You cannot discern what is right without God. You can't 
do it. We have to unwire that mentality that we can do anything apart from God. We need to be verse 1 through 4 people, right? Seeking God with all that we have, trusting he will deliver this slope. And don't just seek him once. Hour by hour, I need thee. Make sense? Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so what he's saying is, is trying to take it from 80, 90% our, our discretion and decision-making to 51%, right? And, and, and you think about that, sometimes you go, oh, God doesn't even be bothered with this. You know, there's this great story in the Old Testament. I think it's Elijah. I, I could be wrong on this, though. Again, I didn't go to seminary, so I'm still working on this. Uh, where the, um, the, the head of the axe falls in the river, right? And, and God cares. He cares that the head of the axe fell into the river. And there's a lot of symbolism and all that with that. But still, he cared about something so mundane. You know, why in the world would we not seek the wisdom of a perfect father who cares enough about us to actually help us with it? Right? It seems very naive uh, that we don't. Uh, But I I fall into this temptation as well. And I got to say, anytime I've gone two or three days without being in my Bible, I feel it. Right? I feel it. Um, and, and, And I start to feel darkness. I start to feel a heavier weight on my shoulders. Uh, peace and freedom comes from me by just opening the word and trusting that he's got this. What are, we, what are you going to teach me today? So uh, if you guys ever need any practical tips, tricks, reading plans, podcasts, things to do to absorb the word, let, it, let me know. Um, I, 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 I tend to uh, have a pretty good feel for a lot of those things, mostly because Terry and Cole and Lance and all those guys have drilled it into my head, and uh, Gene's in a similar boat over here. So uh, let us know if you have any questions. If you ever, ever say, hey, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and I'm not really a verse one through four person quite yet. Uh, I'm trying to do it on my own. I need some help. Don't be so proud that you won't ask for help. That's what we're here to do. We're all on our own parts of this journey. And uh, like, like Mr. Berryhill told me, he wishes so bad that somebody, when he was younger, had set him down and said, you need to do this, right? You need to do this. Be a guy who's willing to say, hey, I don't really know what I need to do. Help me, right? And, and ask people in your group, ask me, ask Gene, ask, ask whoever. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we help you. Let me pray for us when we get out of here today. Uh, Father, again, I want to thank you for these men. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the, for the not-so-subtle reminder to me that I, need, that, that I need you. How often I personally try to go out and do things on my own, and I'm constantly reminded that I don't have that kind of power. Uh, thank you for changing uh, me. Thank you for changing the hearts of the men in this class. Uh, we don't do it uh, out, of, out of selfish gain. We do it because we seek you, we love you, and we trust you. Uh, we trust you with our lives and what you'll do through them. May you be with all those men who aren't here today. Uh, may, you, may you capture their hearts as well. May we all get to join together again next week safely uh, to dive into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys on Zoom. Y'all have a good one.